Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is tep. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. The darkness of his art is nothing to the kindness in his heart. It's John Paul Newton! That was a that was a cute introduction. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank <laughs> well, you. I was looking at this comic book you sent me, and it was just like that is so sweet. <laughs> but like, and it was so funny because uh, I recently ordered a t-shirt from um, Pentagram Peter Pan. I don't know if you've seen them on on uh, on Instagram. They have a bunch of, uh, you know, fun Great shirts. Name. Yeah. Well, yeah. the name kind of says it all. It's all, you know, a bunch of like pop culture stuff, but with a slight slant to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very but, clear. Yeah. 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 So their stuff comes in like a black bag with like, you know, some pentagrams on it and stuff like that. Like, here's your t shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then your stuff came and it had your stickers on it, which has some dark, some dark themed artwork on it. And yeah. Yeah. I, I got home and Kat goes, So our mail carriers definitely think we should travel now. <laughs> Two days in a row, we're getting very ominous looking packages. <laughs> oh man, I was so close to drawing a giant penis on one side of it and just oh. letting it ride. I was, I was so close. And I thought like, <laughs> you know, I, I really, I push him to the limit with some of this. And uh, I'm even going to try to curb. You, you'll notice, I think I've only cursed once in the time that we've been talking uh, That's prior true. To the episode starting because you, you say you don't care, but I saw in the caption when you posted our last one, you're like that JP, that JP and his cursing. Um, so, you know, I think you do, you know, I think you don't care, but it's, here's the you thing. You have a preference. You have a I, preference. I, I don't care, but future me thanks you for not having to go and put in the little red alert siren over each curse word. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I use the red alert just, not because, because look, I do. Yeah, I do stand up comedy. I have, do not have a problem with cursing. Clearly, yeah, no, I know, um, I know. But uh, I just use. I was the sure that thing. the editing. I was sure the editing you had to do the last time, like, was not. It wasn't pleasant. Um, you know, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I hit uh, a but part of me. It, it was <laughs> no, just no, easier. It was easier for me to like bleep the ones that were before the recap, and then after that, just, just to just put it as I'll just mark it as explicit here. <laughs> It's already it's it's getting close to midnight. I have work tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and that was my goal the entire time was to make it impossible for you to go back and edit. Uh, oh man! So um, let's dive right in. Uh, have you? So you came on oh, way back in season one for us. Mm-hmm. Back on let's see, we covered Terra Nova and the Andorian incident. That was 
Ooh, season one, episodes six and seven of Enterprise. Have you watched any more on your own besides what we're covering today? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Not at all. No, that's, um, but that's I, fine. I watched a few episodes further uh, after our episode for today. Oh. Um, it is it's a it's a good show it is it's a solid show. it's just you know that opening theme that i hate so much like that's my one major complaint oh uh, yeah <laughs> for the most part the rest of it is just a you know it's a star trek show i love scott Bakula, you know quantum leap yeah, lord yeah, of illusions of yeah it's um, uh i just got done uh editing an episode uh crossing over with uh the red shirts podcast over in england and it was so funny because they have this slant on the on the theme song of like it's so American and we're <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, it um, is. It I is. Mean, it's the worst of America. Exactly. It's not country. It's not rock. It's somewhere in between and it's all bad. <laughs> no, it's like, it's uh, man, it, it's just a hair's breadth away from inspirational music, which is oh. all inspirational music is terrible. Yes. Um, oh. And I don't, I don't say that like, it's, it's not because it's inspired. It's, it's because it's the least inspiring music of all music, but it's called <laughs> inspirational music. Yeah. Um, and it's just like flat and, uh, you know, it's like bit written in a very friendly key. And <sighs> all the, all the things are in just the right place to make the most generic, uh, adult contemporary like it seems very this is drone. it seems very disingenuous to me yeah of yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. it's formulaic it's plastic. yeah it's formulaic and don't don't get me wrong i was the kid raised on um had to sneak or sneak around but um the music that i snuck around behind my parents back was dc talk and newsboys uh the you content- had to sneak dc talk <laughs> in the American citizen is pride in his community as an expression of all that his country stands for, individual independence, with respect for the rights of others, born of the concept that all men are free and equal. Yeah, yeah, they were not yeah. big on the contemporary Christian music. That was what I was jamming to as a, as a young teenage uh, kid trying to, you know, figure it all out. But you know, going back and listening to it now, I, I, I listen to it with some nostalgic uh, fondness, but at the same time, you know, I'm also listening to it as a almost 40 year old going, I don't know, sad songs just seem to hit a little closer to home. You know, I'd rather, oh, I'd, oh, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd rather listen to Johnny Cash sing hurt uh, who wouldn't, but I'd, I'd rather listen to him sing hurt. And that seems more real to me than a couple albums worth of you know 90s or early 2000s ccm so yeah well i'm it's you know the uh it's it's a little bit like you said it's like it comes across as disingenuous and it's not that it's disingenuous it's just that it's uh how should i put this um it's a little bit lazy i'd say like they don't because the the point is not to be creative or to create you know Mm. uh something uh really I think that to a lot of those, I mean, some of it is just, you know, uh, songwriters who write for radio and now they're writing Christian songs, you know, like that's what a lot of it comes down to. But some of it is also, uh, 
it's like not trying to make an idol of the music itself you know yeah. like the whole point is to be this is for god and it's like well sure but i mean god it, you know made music right like to enjoy the musical part of it is not mm. you know <laughs> yeah it, music is the language of the universe you know it's math it's math yeah, yeah. oh um, gosh yeah absolutely <laughs> it's it's all it just all of it comes across like a cop out that's all yeah yeah you're right i gosh i could between between our two backgrounds i'm sure we could spend at least an hour talking about that sort of thing but um well you know i got lucky actually but uh yeah i i I get your point we gotta move on yeah yeah it's i I, yeah so let's just get into it because you you're absolutely right music is the is the it's part of the language of the universe it is math math is universal and Starfleet and warp travel and all of these things are made possible by that science, which is great. So um, without further ado, let's just get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday, an alien princess, a Starfleet engineer, stranded on a distant planet together. I'm the one in charge. I'm not your servant. You'd be dead if it weren't for me. This can only end one way, but no paradise. There's someone else here. Can last forever. A revealing new enterprise. The greatest lesson you can learn in life sucks and great are pretty close. Fire at Golf, the captain of a Retellian cargo vessel, docks and asks Archer for help. A passenger carrying stasis pod on his ship is malfunctioning. Sucks. Archer then offers trips services, while also extending an offer of hospitality to both the captain and his brother, Plin. When Trip enters the cargo hold inside Goff's ship, he notices a beautiful female alien beneath the stasis canopy. Great. Goff tells him that she's a passenger traveling home from a planet where she was studying medicine. He explains that because his ship can't travel over warp 2.2, she has to be kept in stasis because there's not enough food to support them all. Sucks. As Trip starts working on the stasis pod, it begins to fail. Sucks. Fearing the occupant will suffocate, he releases her. Great. Trip is then knocked unconscious by Goff, who then flees from the Enterprise by disabling her engines and ionizing its warp trail. But Plin is left behind. Sucks. The female passenger, Ketama, is initially hostile. Sucks. Trip uses the translator Hoshi left with him, and he learns she is a high-ranking, soon-to-be first monarch being held for ransom. Great. Trip has a plan for escape, and though she believes that her status will keep her safe, Ketama joins him in an escape pod. Great. Meanwhile, Archer and T'Pol use the old good cop, bad cop routine to persuade Plin to tell them how to locate Goff's ship using its warp core's signature frequency. Whatever that means. After finding an island on a planet, Trip and Katama set up camp, and their mutual antipathy eventually gives way to begrudging sexual tension. I say to you, the sucks are great are the exact same thing. Goff soon locates them using the homing beacon on the escape pod. Sucks. Trip and Goff fight until the latter is subdued by Katama. Great. Just as the Enterprise rescue team arrives. Sucks. Katama is later collected by a battle cruiser from her homeworld of Creos Prime. Great and suggests she'll invite Trip to dine with her on a full-course meal prepared by this season's winner of Top Chef. I don't care! So, initial thoughts about this episode. We kind of... It's... It feels like some standard Star Trek fare, and a couple people, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but 
a couple of critics cited a couple of episodes that it was clearly inspired by, if not ripping off. What did you think uh, upon watching this? Had you seen this episode before? Or was this a first watch for you? Well, this was a first. Just based on memory, I think there's got to be at least one episode per franchise where they're, uh, it's, it's, you know, like you, uh, is it maybe, is it maybe first season uh, Next Generation when uh, Picard is down on the planet with the... Uh, uh, on Ryza? Yeah, 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 yeah. Captain Holidays? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Not Ryza, not Ryza. Um, the episode where the uh, he's down on the planet with this alien and the uh, species of alien, uh, they like speak entirely in metaphors. And so Picard has to figure out how to communicate with them. Oh, I don't remember this one. That's, oh, wow. <laughs> I'll have to go find it. It's, it's probably much later than first season. Um yeah, and I can't remember any of the stuff that he says now. But, you know, the, the same basic idea, like they take these uh, two people that have either nothing in common or they're actually antithetical to each other in some way. And then they strand them someplace and they have to, you know, form a bond and find common understanding. And of course, yeah, it's well, very I, standard. I remember um, Picard having to go get um, a new heart placed, uh, you know, uh, surgically implanted and uh his uh his he they weren't able to divert the enterprise off course so he had to take a shuttle and the pilot of his shuttle was wesley who was going to do right, some right. registration for starfleet which is right. i mean back to episode one of just him telling Riker, keep children away from me <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's a good episode it is it is that's a solid episode uh yeah this one is kind of you know i get why they had trip over there that makes sense but i i don't know i still just don't buy the southern charm thing yeah it's a little thick yeah he's he's chewing the scenery a little bit a little bit yeah and then um you know uh padma kind of she does a very good job at what she's supposed at what she's supposed to do (laughs) she's garbage I, I couldn't like it's been so long since I've seen her face and I never remember her name. I I usually remember is it Lakshmi? Uh, uh Lakshmi. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Uh I wasn't sure if it was her or not, but uh Yep, that's her. It, yeah. Was doesn't matter. Whoever it was, they couldn't act. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those uh, you know, the 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 tough the the tough character gets put in charge over the person who thinks that they are in charge, but really yeah. They're, they're barely surviving without the help of the tough character. And yeah, it's it seems to have a lot of tropes in it. Um, although with this episode winding up with the two of them getting it on. <laughs> Which was also like it was so forced, uh, yeah. you know, like there's no sexual attention between them. I mean, you know, there might be like the slightest hint of it in one scene in the shuttle. And then, you know, she punches him and now they're going to have sex, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, I feel like I, I mentioned this, you know, uh, some episodes ago, but it's just kind of when you look at the writers and, uh, you know, producers of the show, it's all straight white dudes. And it really shows in some of these in some of these plots where it's like, well, Trip finds a very pretty lady on a ship. She's a lot. She's a handful, but they end up getting it on in the end. (laughs) To some extent, that's just tradition. You know, I mean, it started with Kirk. Right, Uh, right. It it didn't exactly continue. I mean, Picard had his moments, but it was a little bit more 
Riker. I was going to say Riker took the lion's share of that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Riker was the Kirk of TNG. And then Deep Space Nine... Did they have they have a Playboy on DS9? It seemed like people were really into Doc Bashir. Um, yeah, but he's not. But he's he not, was he was not. He doesn't fit into the type. It. Yeah, he was not into it at all. He was just. Yeah, he's not swashbuckling. He's no, not. No. He's and, he's very awkward. And Cisco Cisco doesn't really come across that way. You know, he's no, he's he's, too, he's not the guy. He's a dad. Too cool. Too cool. Too cool, very wise, and yeah, the father thing—it just doesn't yeah. make for the swashbuckling, you know. Well, uh, he's like a—he's—he's he's like a president, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's not out there like banging, you know. He, right. He's got stuff to do. <laughs> he's the president. He's not out there banging like a politician. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, Biden ain't banging either. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> um. So yeah, any other uh, any other thought? I here's the thing. I, the one scene that I really enjoyed was the good cop bad cop by Archer and T'Pol. I thought that they played that very well, and that's one. Of, that's yeah. been one of my criticisms is throughout. You know, here we are, episode thirty. Uh, you know, thirty something of this show that we've been watching. Uh, this is episode thirty two of this podcast, but a lot of the jokes that have been attempted in these episodes of enterprise just haven't landed be it because of performance or editing or something along those lines writing maybe it just feels like they never really stuck the landing on a lot of jokes except for this bit uh with the good cop bad cop i actually felt like that was very well written very well performed they edited it very well and i think having them in sort of that dark um, you know, they moved all the tables out of the cafeteria and just had them meet in there. I felt like that was production wise, it was set up very well. Uh, what did you think about that? There were moments where Scott Bakula was hamming it up a little bit, like he's standing right. in the dark alcove, you know, and he's like yeah. clearly visible, but he's still standing behind the alcove when yeah. I first walk into 10 forward or whatever <laughs> it is. And then he comes out from behind the alcove and, stand, you know, a little bit like there's some of that where he's clearly uh, putting on a show, you know. Jolene Blaylock, uh, I can't remember the Vulcan's name, but she's a typical Vulcan. Um, so there's not really like they're good as a straight man, you know. Like Spock was a good straight man, you know, perfect as a straight off man. Of. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess if that scene and it's the scene does work, but it only works because of Scott Bakula, <laughs> and it's because he knows how to communicate that it's a joke without going over the top, you know. Right, while still maintaining the uh the ruse of it all uh to that character who who's who's in it like he know he knows of vulcans but doesn't really know us humans so this whole interaction he's he's concerned about to paul and just because she does play it so straight and i think that's one of the main things of comedy is hey play it straight play it serious because the right yeah play it dry because if you play it honestly straight dry sincere the straighter you play it the funnier it's gonna hit and i think because if you if you ham it up too much it's like you're yelling to everyone hey this is a joke you know look at me i'm doing a joke right everything that to paul does in that whole setup is not out of character archer's the one who's kind of like you said he's hamming it up a little bit but i think in i think in that instance it's kind of important for him to do that to sell this particular character on this whole ruse which ends up 
you know, working quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a wink and a nudge to the viewer alone, you know? Right. Right. Oh man. Yeah. So, uh, so you've already mentioned that uh, you're not a big fan of Padma. Have you watched much Top Chef with her? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I don't have anything against her. She's just not a great. She's actress. just uh, she's well, she's a rich, pretty girl. You know, that's... <laughs> she's she's great at what she does, which is stand there and which is which is not draw attention to herself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's look here. Yep. Now look over there. Yep. Like that's what she's good for. Um, I will say, did you ever, I mean, I'm sure she's a wonderful girl or whatever, but yeah, seems like, like as, very nice as yeah. someone in entertainment, you know? Right. Right. Did you ever see, uh, did you ever see the bit she had on 30 rock where she invented the sandwich bag? You know, I'm very entrepreneurial. I invented this new bag that you put around a sandwich to keep it fresh, but it's clear. So you still get the full visual of the sandwich. So it's a sandwich bag. No, Jack. It's a new thing that I invented. So it seems like she would do well in that setting. Yes, because okay. it's so, I mean, she's obviously playing a, a caricature of herself. But uh, in that instance, she's, I think, and again, when you're playing opposite Alec Baldwin, who's no slouch in terms of acting or comedy, uh, it's easy, you know, he elevates whoever he's working with. And uh, I think part of it is the writing and, uh, you know, the editing, the back and forth between the two of them. It worked so well that I wonder, I wonder if that, if her role on 30 Rock had been extended at all, if that would have, would we have seen her performance fall apart like it does? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Like she's good in in a short dose, small dose. Um, But it's also, you know, it's like you said, uh, she's playing a caricature of herself and, and everyone on that show is a caricature of a human being. So of that's, course. that's the gist of it. She doesn't have to convey any real human emotion or pretend to feel anything like deep or complex, you know, and right. that's why it works. Yeah. The she only thing, on the works. only thing she has to be convinced of and convey in her performance is that she invented the sandwich bag. <laughs> and she probably thinks she did uh, just as a result of being on that episode. Like slowly realizing, like I did. I did. You know what? I yeah, I think I it's did. In bag. <laughs> oh man! So as we asked, I had to with, throw one in. No, no, yeah, that's fine. And it was well placed. That was very yeah. well placed. Um, so as we ask with every episode, who do we blame? Uh, this story was written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, and their last writing was on season two, episode 10, Vanishing Point. The teleplay was penned by Mr. David A. Goodman. This is the one of the folks here uh, on the production side that I really kind of want to dive into for f- a few minutes. This was his first writing credit on this series, but he's no stranger to production. He actually got started uh, on Golden Girls, he was involved in 12 episodes of that, which led to other TV projects like Wings in 93 and 95, and then something called Team Knight Rider. I'm familiar with Knight Rider, but I never saw Team Knight Rider. It just, I pulled up a couple of promo clips and it looked like just a big long car commercial. <laughs> See, this guy's, yeah, this guy's getting shopped around like the jockey lot shows. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess Golden Girls was a huge hit. Wings was a huge hit, sure. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I think they were just trying to 
keep you, they Still, were just trying to see if lightning would strike twice if they could catch it in a bottle you know with knight rider i think just because yeah yeah knight yeah. rider so iconic because if you go and look like team knight rider is not the only spinoff of knight rider there's been yeah. like half a dozen at least uh different attempts to you know recapture that but anyways his his work in the tv industry eventually led to him getting a gig on futurama where he was co-executive producer for 18 episodes and the writer for an episode called where no fan has gone before that episode has if you're if you're familiar with futurama uh fry the main character is going to a planet to rescue uh all the episodes of star trek and so it is a very star trek heavy uh episode of futurama i debated on whether or not we would actually do an episode of this podcast based on that episode but i think we'll pass for now um but it it was this episode where no fan has gone before that actually caught the eye of the folks over at enterprise they said hey why don't you come on and work with us you seem like you have a good grasp of this whole star trek thing we could use you've heard of the show (laughs) we could we could use some of that over here (laughs) he ended up passing knowledge of (laughs) pop culture history (laughs) exactly and he ended up getting a gig as a consulting producer for 43 episodes and ended up writing four episodes this uh his first uh, credit that he had actually worked on was season two, episode eight, The Communicator. Um, but like I said, this was his first writing uh, credit on Enterprise. And then the episode was directed by David Livingston. Uh, his last episode directing was season two, episode seven, The Seventh, which we discussed with uh, Maddie Churchhouse from the Red Shirts podcast. And that episode is, of course, available now for you to download wherever you get your podcast uh some of the guest stars we have mr leland crook as ferrick plin uh he's primarily a stage actor in new york but uh he's got a couple tv credits freddy's nightmares and matlock i'm familiar with matlock but did you ever watch did you ever watch freddy's nightmares i remember the show i do it was Was kind of like like an anthology type thing yeah 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 it's 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 like i think they did the same thing with uh friday the 13th yeah it's like uh twilight zone but it's you know in the name of this iconic slasher you know so did so it's like it really has nothing to do with freddy krueger okay because that was my next question was does freddy appear in all if the i episodes? remember correctly if i remember correctly um i don't think he does he might appear in a couple of them but yeah uh, much more of a like a tales from the crypt cool yeah yeah uh, then uh, Mr. Crook ended up getting a gig of 13 episodes on something called Key West in 1993. That must have been great. It's called yeah, Key I have no West. Idea what that is. Yeah, <laughs> no idea. Is uh, of course joking. It's it was a very short-lived series and didn't do very well, and of course fell into obscurity. But the his actual first work on uh, in the franchise was on Deep Space Nine. Uh, two episodes here where he plays Vorta Glennon in the season six episodes, One Little Ship and Honor Among Thieves. And then we have Mr. Scott Clace as his brother, Firek Golf, the captain of their ship. And he's got some TV credits here. Time Cop in 1997, Third Rock from <laughs> the Sun in 98. Uh, but most notably, I mean, you guys know I'm a big comedy guy. So uh, most notably, he is the guard at the jail in the finale episode of seinfeld in 1998 nice little like nice little right. nice little yeah. gem to have on your resume that's fun yeah 
And then uh, he was also uh, his first appearance in the franchise was on an episode of Voyager. He plays Dremic in the season five, episode 20 episode called Juggernaut. And then, of course, we've already spoke about her at length. Miss Padma Lakshmi as Princess Katama. Uh, she is the precious cargo, <laughs> but uh, she is, you know, not she's acted in a couple things, but most notably, she's a model. She's a host. Uh, activist and author uh, you can see her the most work she's done is as a producer host and judge of top chef um katama from so a little bit of background here katama is from krios prime the same planet as kamala played by x-men's famka jansen in the season five episode 21 episode of star trek the next generation called the perfect mate is that uh does that sound familiar, JP? Is that oh uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great episode. Part in part because it's Fonka Johnson, right? And she's one of the prettiest ladies ever. Mm. Um, and because Fonka Johnson's character, she's like a she's she's like a blank slate of a fully grown woman who adapts herself uh directly to whoever she chooses to be her mate so like her personality lines up with that person perfectly interesting uh, among other things um and I, wow. I think it's Riker, but it might be picard i can't remember uh, uh the promo yeah. In- yeah. images make me think it was picard <laughs> picard okay yeah yeah uh michelle erica green of trek nation was critical of this episode calling it a ripoff of the season three tos episode ilan of troyes and the aforementioned TNG episode, Perfect Mate. And because it was offering no plot twists that the viewer couldn't see coming. That was a direct quote from her. Uh, she also compared it to the film Star Wars with uh, the character Katma being like Princess Leia, flirtatious one-liners, crash landing on a plague, on a planet kind of like Dagobah. Uh, so I can see the comparison there. Uh, Jammers that reviews... feels like a bit of a stretch. Yeah, if, I mean, you know... She's not wrong, but yeah, a little bit She's of a, a stretch. Wrong. Yeah, a it's wrong. a little wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you took out all the fun and compressed yeah. it to 44 minutes, you yeah. might and get the, this. The, you know, the third <laughs> character in that lover's triangle in the first movie. And, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jammer's reviews gave this episode a score of zero out of four that's this all seems unnecessarily harsh like what are they it's what is this the like 80th series in the star trek universe like what do they want (laughs) how much more can they possibly pull out of of exactly well i mean you know in looking at all this it seems i you know when i watched because i think i had seen this episode before watching it for this podcast i didn't i mean it wasn't a super great episode but it wasn't awful it wasn't nails on a chalkboard yeah padma's not a great actress you know okay that's half the that's half the guest stars that they have on a week-to-week basis aren't really great yeah uh so yeah that's nothing new i don't i just but she's occupying so much of the episode that's true yeah i mean like like 60 percent of the episode is her and uh and what's his face trip yeah trip engineer Uh, in 2011, Star Trek magazine rated Precious Cargo one out of five and named it the worst episode of the season, saying that there were plenty of there were plenty of episodes to choose from. But this was the worst because it was boring, without merit and almost unwatchable. 
that does seem uh, harsh. It's hyperbolic. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a little hyperbolic. Like I, you know, in 2016, fans voted Precious Cargo as the 10th worst episode of any Star Trek series. I can that think seems... of so many that are way worse. Yeah, that. yeah. You could probably fill that list with uh, the original series, uh, season three. <laughs> Most of I those are really wacky. There's a lot of Voyager that's just absolutely dull, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. a great series. It's a great series, but there's a lot of episodes that are just like, you just got to get through them. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that uh, shows nowadays have working in their favor. Shows like Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, rather than, you know, 22 to 25, 26 episodes a season, we're getting 10 to 12. They're yeah. nice, compact chock full of story um a serialized story and we keep we keep that ship rolling we keep we keep it moving um so there's no there's no dead space there's no filler episodes there's no kind of like oh this is just a one-off nope nope we're moving the story forward with these next 44 minutes so you're either on board from the beginning or you know maybe pick us up in the summer and binge us or something but like this is it um in 2018 Comic Book Review included this episode on a ranking of the episodes of Star Trek they stated were so bad they must be seen, which just seems confusing to me. Like, really? I mean, I've heard of the, yeah, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Or, oh, you got to see this. But like, I don't know. That just seems like they're just trying to write a clickbaity type thing. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> if I really think about it, like, it's it's certainly fair to say, I think that there's nothing there like there's nothing there really isn't there's nothing to the episode um but it's it's at least evenly paced you know like yeah (laughs) i I mean i didn't want to turn it off like a third of the way through i you know it it set the tone for what it was going to be very quickly and it stuck with that you know it was consistent yeah I, i think you know trip is getting all the flirtatious interactions that you know uh kirk or Riker would have certainly gotten in their series, but he just doesn't really seem super interested in that. He's seen, he, he's the guy who's always like, Oh, I want to go on the mission. I want to go on the mission. I want to go on the mission. But then it's kind of when he gets into situations like that, it's always like, Oh man, if I could just be back in my engine room. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have gone on the mission. <laughs> Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Shouldn't have gone on the mission. <laughs> um, what, what culture ranked this episode the seventh worst episode of the star trek franchise uh 2017 screen rant ranked this the 11th worst episode of the star trek franchise john billingsley aka doc flox said it was his least favorite episode of the series and even brandon braga uh considered it one of the worst episodes of star trek like did the guy who wrote it even like it (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) He's, I mean, this is, you know, he's such a big fan of Star Trek. The writer, uh, David A. Goodman, you know, they, a lot of the critics cited, you know, those other episodes of Next Gen and uh, TOS that seem to be inspiration, if not ripping off. So for a fan like Mr. Goodman to write a script that maybe he's really into those episodes and he's like, you know what? If I was those are the only episodes he watches, and, 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 and 
I don't care one, about all the space stuff. Just this, this one's got a pretty lady. Let's put yeah, the yeah, pretty yeah. lady in there. Um, no, <laughs> all the pretty ladies fall in love with me. <laughs> but you know, he uh, he's he, maybe that's maybe. Hey, look, every episode is somebody's favorite episode. So maybe yeah. that's what he digs. So that's what he wrote. And maybe they needed, you know, this. These episodes or these seasons of Enterprise are still, you know, 22, 24 episodes. Yeah. So like they've got they've got space to fill. We've got some yeah, yeah. ads. We gotta, we gotta sell some toothpaste. So <laughs> they gotta this, they gotta keep it moving somehow. Exactly, exactly. And you know, these are the days past when they used to accept scripts on spec. It was kind of like you had to you had to make a name for yourself as a TV writer somewhere else. Yeah. Before Enterprise would kind of come to you and be like, or before Star Trek would come to you and be like, hey, clearly you're a fan of Star Trek or sci-fi in general. You want to come work with us? You know, that was the call everybody wanted. Um, but yeah, so in 2021, the digital fix said this episode was not terrible, just that these stories have been done before and better. I see. Fair yeah. and balanced. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's probably the most like you said, fair balanced opinion of uh, something like this for sure. Any, uh, any final thoughts about this episode? I don't see any reason to keep talking about it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, well, following that lengthy, you know, list of uh, just hateful opinions. Uh, I think that kind of says it all. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Well, next week, we will be joined by tattoo artist and TikTok star, the lovely Ren Marie Arrowwood for Enterprise Season 2, Episode 12, The Catwalk, which is available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount+. Plus. JP, where can people annoy you online? Uh, I'm on Instagram at, uh, and this is going to be, this, this is going to be tricky. This is going to take a minute. It's pneumophagia, which is P-N-E-U-M-A, kind of like pneumonia. Uh-huh. Phagia, P-H-A-G-I-A, pneumophagia. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a Slice of Fried Gold?